0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Bulls with the Bard. My name is Kings. I am your host. And today we're here with Fazia Istrabati to talk about a translation of Romeo and Juliet. Fazia, before we get started, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm Fazia, I'm a Shakespeare actor and uh, this Romeo and Juliet is a concept that I've had for a really long time um, and it's evolved a lot. What it currently is now, it's um, in collaboration with Prague Shakespeare Company and their artistic director, Guy Roberts, and Shakespeare, which is a theater company based in Cairo um, and their artistic director at Ham Syed. Yeah, I'm half Iraqi, which is where my interest in uh, like Arab, Arabic Shakespeare comes from. And this is. It's sort of a fun fact, but also is my Iraqi grandmother was an expert on the translations of Shakespeare uh, Shakespeare into Arabic, and she taught uh, like Shakespearean drama at the University of Baghdad and the University of the UAE, and she met Queen Elizabeth on her visit to the UAE. So we like to joke that like being a Shakespearean runs in the family.
0: Yeah, wow. What a cool history to have. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to have you here. Before we dive into talking more about your translation, I'm going to get a little high and it looks like you've got a little something to drink. Sweet. (laughs) All right, y'all, we are back. And we are going to talk about this Romeo and Juliet translation. So you've told me the translation was done by your friend. Is it Adam? Adham. Adham. Thank you. What exactly like have the two of you done with this translation?
1: In this, this version, I, um, did a cut of Romeo and Juliet that I was trying to get, um, because we did it as a stage reading. I'm, um, there are like three or four different versions of this but this is how it's worked each time and i'm going to focus on the stage reading but i can also talk about the other versions because we've got some really cool things that are coming out of the other versions um but the way that we do it is i usually cut like we'll cut the script whether to whatever level and then i'll go through it and i'll highlight the sections that i like the lines that i would like in arabic or how i see it in my brain and i always as i'm i As the native speaker, I always give him reign to go, actually, it should be this way. Or, and I'll also, I usually like will specifically note like cultural things, or since we've also not only made Juliette and the Capulets speak Arabic. Um, We've also made the Muslim. So like, and um, Friar Lawrence now, Mom Lawrence. I'm really bad at referring to him as a Mom Lawrence, even though I'm the one who made that shift. So I will probably still call him Friar Lawrence. But um, noting like religious references that need to change. Um, Sometimes it's easy. Like I will just go in and change it to like mosque instead of church. But there are some like exclamations that I'm like, I don't know what the equivalent would be in Arabic, in an, in an Islamic setting, so I will note it for him to adjust to to whatever that might be. Yeah, so that's usually how we do it.
0: Awesome. Um, why did y'all pick Romeo and Juliet for this project?
1: So Romeo and Juliet is, I've had this concept of a Muslim papulate family and a Catholic Montague family for a really long time. Like I did a, I was in my directing class in undergrad, I did like a project on it. And it's evolved a lot um, since then. So I've had the concept for a long time. I really want, like, ultimately, I really want to start a Shakespeare company that is specifically for theater artists of the Swana diaspora, not just necessarily specifically like Arabs and Arabic like that's that's me and that's part of my identity so that's why that's where it's starting but like I want to open it up to this very like people from that region people of that diaspora general more slightly more generally um and I sat I sort of mentioned this to Guy the first time I went to Prague and um we started talking more about it and so then I went back the following so this that was in the winter of twenty one. 22, and then I went back summer 2022, and we started more seriously talking about it. And he was like, "All right, what production ideas do you have?" Because like often that's a really good way to like get ideas like this off the ground. And I sort of went through because I have a list of a few things. And the last one I had, um, I had like more recent ideas. And he was like, "That one doesn't quite work." My other, my second one was I, I had thoughts about a Richard the Third, and there already is um, an Arabic Richard the Third, Richard the Third, an Arab tragedy by. I think it's Suleiman Al-Bassam. Um, so he was so it, my my idea was different, but he was like, it's too similar. And then I was like, Well, I have a Pericles. And he was like, You can't do Pericles, no one knows Pericles. <laughs> um, he, although he and his wife, like I know Pericles um is very special to guys. So um he was like, You know, I love Pericles. We can't no one else knows Pericles, <laughs> we can't do that. And I was like, Oh, fine one day. And um, then I was like, Well, I have this Romeo and Juliet. And I started talking to him about that, and he was like, That's that's it. It's Romeo and Juliet. So that's why, and I think. I think it works really well it's for a lot of reasons romeo and juliet but it it's helpful because it we are sort of testing the concept of like a bilingual shakespeare um where often currently a lot of our audience doesn't know arabic and it's we're it's it's i don't quite want to say cheating but for lack like, of a better word it's cheating a little because the audience almost certainly does know the story of romeo and juliet so if something gets lost literally in translation like they they will inherently fill in the gap
0: huh that's that's a really smart way to approach that because you're absolutely right i feel like even if you don't read actual romeo and juliet like you experience the story through like nomeo and juliet or something else like everybody knows the basis that is a great reason (laughs) yeah And I Uh, did try, like, as
1: I was marking through it, my goal was, and it's had to adjust based off of, like, the text had to adjust based off of how many, like, native speakers or how many people were comfortable speaking Arabic. But um, my goal was, and this is, you know, Billy Shakes did me a solid, um, he likes to repeat plot points. Um, I did make sure that in the text we had in, like, without any changes to it all like major plot points were said in English and in Arabic. So like theoretically someone who, oh, my, my, my goal was that theoretically someone who only spoke Arabic, who um, just randomly came to see this thing, knew nothing about Romeo and Juliet, could come in and understand everything that was going on, even if they didn't understand the English. And oh. I mean, vice versa for
0: the English as well. But yeah. That's awesome. I love the idea that like it's storytelling that is, accessible to like multiple parties and it's a story that is somewhat about like uh, there's some divisiveness but like how do we come together um that's that's really cool thank you of course so I think my big question of the day is Mm -hmm. like I feel like there is a camp of people out there who you say I'm going to translate Shakespeare and they're like fuck that. Like Shakespeare's about the rhythm. Shakespeare's about the language. Like that's going to get lost in translation. What's the point? So I'm, I'm interested in like what you would have to say to people who like hold those opinions.
1: Um. Well, my first, my first thing would be something that Dr. Ralph Allen Cohen said to us on the first day of grad school at orientation, which was Shakespeare's dead. We're all Shakespeare now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so I'm like, if founder of the American Shakespeare Center, Dr. Ralph Alan Cohen says that I feel like everyone else can chill out, but just like generally, but specifically with the translation is, and I, I haven't actually like tapped out some of the Arabic, but Arabic is inherently a very poetic language so there is a level at which um it the shakespeare and the arabic goes together really well even if the meter doesn't quite match um which sometimes it can i think again i haven't actually like tapped it out cuz i've sort of said something similar to atham once and he was like you would be surprised we like but it is again inherently like a rhythmic um almost um it can be like a very like musical poetic language and i think that's Helpful and obviously, like Arabic poetry is known for being very like gorgeous and thoughtful. And what I have found, like doing it as an actor, sometimes there are lines that are more like I don't know how to say it other than like they taste better in your mouth saying them than they do in English. Like some of the balcony, I just and gallop a pace. I would rather say in Arabic than English oh. because it's just like there's something about the sound coming out that feels like it matches the emotion more. And so, yeah, like, that's sort of my response to that is they actually do go together quite well. Another thing that's actually really cool that Atom did, and I didn't fully notice until he was going over some of the Arabic with me, is there are some rhyming couplets that he kept. And, we like, there were a few times working on it, I had to kill my darlings because it was like, you could really try to drill this into your brain and say it, like, the way that it's supposed to, or you could just... But he kept the rhyming couplets and the like
0: right as much as he could oh that's so cool I would love to hear that I guess on the flip side of that question like I feel like in the TikToks that I've seen you post about this like there has been this like warm fuzzy like coming home feeling about them and I am interested in like what value you have had or have found uh, both you and your collaborators in like working to put this up on stage
1: yeah I think like uh, for me personally again uh, it's my grandmother was an expert on the translations of Shakespeare into Arabic and I like to think that she probably like, were she here she probably has some opinions because we've it's the translation we've used because um, in Arabic there's like Fusa, which is like classical Arabic, which is um, sort of like Shakespeare equivalent, um, is like, it's the type that you'll like read in a newspaper that's like, Fusah is always the same. So that way, because um, obviously there's a lot of different dialects of Arabic. Um, we have opted to, um, at is Egyptian, and we have opted to translate it into modern Egyptian. So, uh, which is a little more like colloquial and would be more readily Understandable to us, uh, at least someone who speaks the Egyptian dialect. So I like, like she would probably have an opinion about that. Um, but uh, so, but for me personally, it's a way of like connecting with that part of like my personal history. But also, just I feel like I don't often see just like generally in theater consistent like Swana Arab Middle Eastern representation. And there absolutely is like Middle Eastern American theater. Like there absolutely is. But it it feels like it, and there are theaters that are dedicated, like, more generally to Middle Eastern playwrights in the States. But I feel like specifically within the, like, Shakespeare and classical world, it's a piece that is missing a bit. And so my desire is to help fill that gap and to also – sorry, brain is floating <laughs> – um, for, we've had a lot of like we've most of the people who have worked, most of the like Americans who have worked on this are Arab American and there's a so we're members of the diaspora. We did we have Fetty, who is our Tybalt and Friar John this last go-round and who is wonderful, is Egyptian. And so he was having the easiest time at the stage <laughs> reading So because he, he's he's a na- he's a native speaker and it's his dialect. So he was having the easiest time. Um, but I think for I think for all of us, there's a level of Like getting to reconnect with our roots in that way on stage, in a way that we very often don't get to, and I think it's it's just very special to get to do that with other Arab American actors because, like, even in my MFA cohort, like as thesis we I've asked my directors and they said yes, of course, because they've been they. Originally, we have two Mexican actors who have who are Oberon and Puck who speak in Spanish to each other, and so I asked if I could do that, if I could like make a point to have Theseus speak in Arabic a little bit, specifically like terms of endearment, like specifically when um, she, but my Theseus is a queen, is speaking to Hippolyta, and they said yes, of course, and so that's been great. But there's something very special about like getting to put it on stage with other Arab actors in a way that I know is also special to them. And um, it feels like we're all getting to celebrate that part of ourselves together.
0: Yeah, I find it so cool when I found out you were doing this. I feel I have heard of a lot of like international translations of Shakespeare, Um, like the French doing it in French. But I don't know a lot of Americans who have really made a point to do what you're doing and that's awesome it's so cool that it's like spanning internationally but that it's also somewhat rooted here I would love to see more work like that happening in this country
1: (laughs) yeah and well it's it it is there is a very there is a tradition I mean again obviously I've mentioned my grandmother there is a real tradition of translating Shakespeare into Arabic like he very much oh I was doing research for my Amlet thesis and like The first performance of Shakespeare in the Middle East was in the 1600s. Now it was by a crew of like it was by a crew of I think. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the like members of the East India Company, like while they were in Yemen. But like Shakespeare's been in the Middle East for a really long time. And there are oh, my gosh, what is Khalil Mutran is, I think, like the most consistent, uh, like the most famous translator of Shakespeare into Arabic. And I am remembering this correctly. I think I believe he was a he's Lebanese and then, but he worked in Egypt, I think. if I'm remembering that correctly, but like he did his his Othello was like was re- like really famous in the Middle East. And at home was telling me like sort of the way that like Amer- like referring to Romeo and Juliet is sort of like colloquial. Um, like, you'll sort of be like, okay, Romeo, to someone who's like, really, they have the same thing, at least in, from what Adham was telling me in Egypt with Othello, they'll be like, okay, Othello, because of the way that Matron portrayed Othello as like this noble Arab hero. So there is a history, there's a long history of translating Shakespeare into Arabic. And it's just like, it feels like it hasn't ever made its way over to the West at all. And so I'm just like we're doing a new version, we're not doing necessarily like Matrans translations, but adding to that history and trying to have have a bridge there.
0: It's really amazing work. I'm so excited that you're doing it. And looking forward, like what do you see is the future for this translation and like maybe more question mark?
1: <laughs> yes, Um. so I sort of mentioned So originally this last summer, Guy and I were hoping to be able to do sort of more of a workshop with like seven actors of Romeo and Juliet, but we weren't able to do it. And so we pivoted a little and I went to Prague and I was going to, as a pre-show to his, the PSC um, student uh, summer intensive production of Hamlet, I was going to do like a monologue of Juliet in Arabic and English. And what which i at the it was at the estates theater in prague which is um where mozart premiered don giovanni and so i got that email from him and i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to do that but i, I was losing my mind i was objectively like yeah yeah that's really cool but like there was something that i was like oh god <laughs> um but what ended up happening was um because we've been posting about it and all of that was there were two students who were there um who had been who were planning to go that summer, anyway, that when I got there, connected with me because they're um, also like they're also Arab American, and they had seen that this project was happening, and le- they were interested in like talking about it and possibly being a part of it in the future. And I mentioned it to guy, and he was like, "Well, why don't we just add them? It's into Juliet in a few weeks, and um, so Hind and Stevie." Became, which I never they're my other Juliet's What ended up happening was we did, we extended it a little. It was about three minutes long. To it was all three of us. We were all Juliet, and it felt it sort of felt like you were inside Juliet's brain because we it wasn't like we were we each did a monologue of her. We all shared all of it, and it felt like I don't know. It was really I could jokingly refer to it as the Juliet multiverse, um, but it, <laughs> like. I think about, like, um, and this sort of happened while I was putting the script together, but, like, the scene where she finds out that Tybalt's is dead and Romeo didn't and Romeo's banished, it was like she was arguing with herself, which is sort of what's happening in that scene, and that was, it was, it, like, it went over really well and we got a really good reaction out of it, and so we, ex- this fall, we expanded it to what is now about 20 minutes and it's called What's in a Name, which is still Three Juliettes, but then we also added in Lady Capulet, so it's became, who is also um, um, one of my professors during Bechtel, who is half Lebanese. And so it's still, but she was just Lady Capulet and the, like Juliets were still the three Juliets. And it's be- because of this sort of like happy accident that Hind and Stevie happened to be in Prague at the same time, we've created something that is a little different and still showcases the Arabic and our identities on stage but has become a slightly more travelable if that's a word Mm -hmm. um version of this show and it is also a little different like yes Shakespeare in Arabic is already different but having three Juliet's is really different (laughs) and um it's fun because it's in that version we trade off who Lady Capulet can see Um, And we also filled in as like Lord Capulet and Paris. And then I slid off the stage at one point and became Romeo. And it was a balance of like us playing other characters, but also it was the idea was sort of, you're really seeing the play through Juliet's eyes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like her, specifically the sonnet, we really leaned into it with Good Pilgrim of like, recounting this meet cute with your friends at a slumber party and it was just silly and fun yeah and also sort of like the terror of that of like the I'll drag beyond a hurdle thither with Lord Capulet we all we like we traded off being like Lord Capulet in different sections um so there was like no escaping it so that was never planned it just happened and it's that's become a version of this project that we're really exploring more and more and
0: it's changing sort of each time we do it which is really cool that's fascinating <laughs> I love Juliet just like as a character I love like a deep dive into her psyche that's amazing
1: <laughs> yeah and we had a um Dr. Kerwin did a review of it because we did that for the blackfires conference this last November and the way he put it which I think kind of I agree with he was like it made Juliet I'm paraphrasing but he was like Juliet is already a very complex character and it made like the complexity and like range of emotion that a teenage girl can have too complex for one actor to portray so and it's it's what I personally love about like any any iteration that we've had of it whether it's like what's in a name the three Juliet's or like the full stage reading is it yes it is showcasing like Arabic and Arab artists on stage, but it also still is the story. Like Juliet Capulet is still Juliet Capulet. She just also happens to be Arab and to be bilingual. Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. Well, before we wrap up, do you have any closing thoughts?
1: I just, this is my, like this whole thing is just, it's my baby and it means the world to me. And I'm just so happy that people are excited about it and want to talk about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was stoked when it first popped up on my feed. I was already following you before that uh, because you are a fantastic content creator just in general. Um, You're welcome. But I'm so glad you agreed to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Fazia and Bulls with the Bard at the handles either on your screen or in the description, and tune in next week as we chat with Charlene V. Smith about Margaret. Until then, bye all. A thousand thousand sighs to save, oh, lay me where sad true lover never find my grave. To weep there.